Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. Chapter 11 It was not till late next day that I spoke to Mrs. Grouse. The rigor with which I kept my pupils in sight, making it often difficult to meet her privately, and the more as we each felt the importance of not provoking, on the part of the servants quite as much as on that of the children, any suspicion of a secret flurry or that of a discussion of mysteries. I drew a great security in this particular from her mere smooth aspect. There was nothing in her fresh face to pass on to others my horrible confidences, She believed me, I was sure, absolutely. If she hadn't, I don't know what would have become of me, for I couldn't have borne the business alone. But she was a magnificent monument to the blessing of a want of imagination, and if she could see in our little charges nothing but their beauty and amiability, their happiness and cleverness, she had no direct communication with the sources of my trouble, If they had been at all visibly blighted or battered, she would doubtless have grown, on tracing it back, haggard enough to match them. As matters stood, however, I could feel her when she surveyed them with her large white arms folded and the habit of serenity in all her look, thank the Lord's mercy that if they were ruined, the pieces would still serve. Flights of fancy gave place in her mind to a steady fireside glow, and I had already begun to perceive how, with the development of the conviction that, as time went on without a public accident, our young things could, after all, look out for themselves. She addressed her greatest solicitude to the sad case presented by their instructress. That, for myself, was a sound simplification. I could engage that, to the world, my face should tell no tales, but it would have been, in the conditions an immense added strain to find myself anxious about hers. At the hour I now speak of, she had joined me under pressure on the terrace, where, with the lapse of the season, the afternoon sun was now agreeable, and we sat there together while, before us at a distance, but within call if we wished, the children strolled to and fro in one of their most manageable moods. They moved slowly in unison below us, Over the lawn, the boy as they went, reading aloud from a storybook and passing his arm round his sister to keep her quite in touch. Mrs. Grouse watched them with positive placidity. Then I caught the suppressed intellectual creak with which she conscientiously turned to take from me a view of the back of the tapestry. I had made her a receptacle of lured things, but there was an odd recognition of my superiority my accomplishments and my function, in her patience under my pain. She offered her mind to my disclosures as, had I wished to mix a witch's broth 
and proposed it with assurance, she would have held out a large, clean saucepan. This had become thoroughly her attitude by the time that, in my recital of the events of the night, I reached the point of what Miles had said to me when, after seeing him, at such a monstrous hour, almost on the very spot where he happened now to be, I had gone down to bring him in. Choosing then at that hour, with a concentrated need of not alarming the house, rather that method than a signal more resonant. I had left her, meanwhile, in little doubt of my small hope of representing, with success, even to her actual sympathy, my sense of the real splendor of the little inspiration with which, after I had got him into the house, the boy met my final articulate challenge. As soon as I had appeared in the moonlight on the terrace, he had come to me as straight as possible, on which I had taken his hand without a word and led him through the dark spaces up the staircase where Quint had so hungrily hovered for him, along the lobby where I had listened and trembled, and so to his forsaken room. Not a sound on the way had passed between us, and I had wondered, oh, how I had wondered, if he were groping about in his little mind for something plausible and not too grotesque. It would tax his invention, certainly, and I felt this time, over his real embarrassment, a curious thrill of triumph. It was a sharp trap for the inscrutable. He couldn't play any longer at innocence, so how the deuce would he get out of it? There beaten me, indeed, with the passionate throb of this question, an equal, dumb appeal as to how the deuce I should. I was confronted at last, as never yet, with all the risk attached even now to sounding my own horrid note. I remember, in fact, that as we pushed into his little chamber where the bed had not been slept in at all, and the window, uncovered to the moonlight, made the place so clear that there was no need of striking a match, I remember how I suddenly dropped, sank upon the edge of the bed from the force of the idea that he must know how he really, as they say, had me. He could do what he liked, with all his cleverness to help him, so long as I should continue to defer to the old tradition of the criminality, of those caretakers of the young who minister to superstitions and fears. He had me indeed, and in a cleft stick, for who would ever absolve me? Who would consent that I should go unhung, if, by the faintest tremor of an overture, I were the first to introduce into our perfect intercourse an element so dire? No, no, it was useless to attempt to convey to Mrs. Grouse, just as it was scarcely less so to attempt to suggest here how in our short, stiff brush in the dark he fairly shook me with admiration. I was, of course, thoroughly kind and merciful. Never, never yet had I placed on his little shoulders hands of such tenderness as those with which, while I rested against the bed, I held him there, well under fire. I had no alternative but, in form at least, to put it to him. You must tell me now, and all the truth. What did you go out for? What were you doing there? I can still see his wonderful smile, the whites of his beautiful eyes, and the uncovering of his little teeth shine to me in the dusk. If I tell you why, will you understand? 
"'My heart, at this, leaped into my mouth. "'Would he tell me why? "'I found no sound on my lips to press it, "'and I was aware of replying only with a vague, "'repeated, grimacing nod. "'He was gentleness itself, "'and while I wagged my head at him, "'he stood there, more bright than ever, "'a little fairy prince. "'It was his brightness, indeed, that gave me a respite, "'Would it be so great if you were really going to tell me?' "'Well,' he said at last, "'just exactly in order that you should do this.' "'Do what?' "'Think me, for a change, bad. "'I shall never forget the sweetness and gaiety "'with which he brought out the word, "'nor how, on top of it, he bent forward and kissed me. "'It was practically the end of everything.' I met his kiss as I had to make, while I folded him for a minute in my arms, the most stupendous effort not to cry. He had given exactly the account of himself that permitted least of my going behind it, and it was only with the effect of confirming my acceptance of it that, as I presently glanced about the room, I could say, "'Then you didn't undress at all?' He fairly glittered in the gloom. "'Not at all.' I sat up and read. And when did you go down? At midnight. When I'm bad, I am bad. I see, I see. It's charming. But how could you be sure I would know it? Oh, I arranged that with Flora. His answers rang out with a readiness. She was to get up and look out. Which is what she did do. It was I who fell into the trap. So she disturbed you, and to see what she was looking at, you also looked, you saw, while you, I concurred, caught your death in the night air. He literally bloomed so from this exploit that he could afford radiantly to ascend. How otherwise should I have been bad enough, he asked. Then, after another embrace, the incident and our interview closed on my recognition of all the reserves of goodness that, for his joke, he had been able to draw upon. Chapter 12 The particular impression I had received proved in the morning light, I repeat, not quite successfully presentable to Mrs. Grouse, though I reinforced it with the mention of still another remark that he had made before we separated. It all lies in half a dozen words, I said to her, words that really settle the matter, "'Think, you know, what I might do.' "'He threw that off to show me how good he is. "'He knows down to the ground what he might do. "'That's what he gave them a taste of at school.' "'Lord, you do change,' cried my friend. "'I don't change. I simply make it out. "'The four depend upon it, perpetually meet. "'If on either of these last nights you had been with either child, "'you would clearly have understood.' The more I've watched and waited, the more I've felt that if there were nothing else to make it sure, it would be made so by the systematic silence of each. Never, by a slip of the tongue, have they so much as alluded to either of their old friends, any more than Miles has alluded to his expulsion. Oh, yes, we may sit here and look at them, and they may show off to us there to their fill. But even while they pretend to be lost in their fairy tale, they're steeped in their vision of the dead restored. 
"'He's not reading to her,' I declared. "'They're talking of them. "'They're talking horrors. "'I go on. "'I know, as if I were crazy, "'and it's a wonder I'm not. "'What I've seen would have made you so, "'but it has only made me more lucid, "'made me get hold of still other things.' "'My lucidity must have seemed awful, "'but the charming creatures who were victims of it, "'passing and repassing in their interlocked sweetness, "'gave my colleague something to hold on by. "'And I felt how tight she held as, "'without stirring in the breath of my passion, "'she covered them still with her eyes. "'Of what other things have you got hold?' "'Why, of the very things that have delighted, "'fascinated, and yet, at bottom, as I now so strangely see, mystified and troubled me. They're more than earthly beauty, they're absolutely unnatural goodness. It's a game, I went on. It's a policy, and a fraud. On the part of little darlings. As yet mere lovely babies. Yes, mad as that seems. The very act of bringing it out really helped me to trace it, "'follow it all up and piece it all together. "'They haven't been good, they've only been absent. "'It has been easy to live with them "'because they're simply leading a life of their own. "'They're not mine, they're not ours. "'They're his and they're hers. "'Quince and that woman's. "'Quince and that woman's. "'They want to get to them. "'Oh, how at this poor Mrs. Grouse appeared to study them.' But for what? For the love of all the evil that, in those dreadful days, the pair put into them, and to ply them with that evil still, to keep up the work of demons, is what brings the others back. Laws, said my friend under her breath. The exclamation was homely, but it revealed a real acceptance of my further proof of what, in the bad time, for there had been a worse even than this, must have occurred. There could have been no such justification for me as the plain assent of her experience to whatever depth of depravity I found credible in our brace of scoundrels. It was, in obvious submission of memory, that she brought out after a moment, "'They were rascals, but what can they now do?' she pursued. "'Do?' I echoed so loud that Miles and Flora, as they passed at their distance, "'paused an instant in their walk and looked at us. "'Don't they do enough?' I demanded in a lower tone, "'while the children, having smiled and nodded "'and kissed hands to us, resumed their exhibition. "'We were held by it a minute. "'Then I answered, "'They can destroy them.' "'At this my companion did turn, "'but the inquiry she launched was a silent one, "'the effect of which was to make me more explicit.' They don't know as yet quite how, but they're trying hard. They're seen only across, as it were, and beyond, in strange places and on high places, the top of towers, the roof of houses, the outside of windows, the further edge of pools. But there's a deep design, on either side, to shorten the distance and overcome the obstacle, and the success of the tempters is only a question of time. They've only to keep to their suggestions of danger. For the children to come and perish in the attempt. Mrs. Grouse slowly got up 
and I scrupulously added, "'Unless, of course, we can prevent.' "'Standing there before me while I kept my seat, "'she visibly turned things over. "'Their uncle must do the preventing. "'He must take them away. "'And who's to make him?' "'She had been scanning the distance, "'but she now dropped on me a foolish face.' "'You, miss. "'By writing to him that his house is poisoned "'and his little nephew and niece mad. "'But if they are, miss. "'And if I am myself, you mean, "'that's charming news to be sent him by a governess "'whose prime undertaking was to give him no worry.' "'Mrs. Grouse considered, following the children again. "'Yes, he do hate worry. "'That was the great reason.' "'why those fiends took him in so long. "'No doubt, though his indifference must have been awful. "'As I'm not a fiend, at any rate, I shouldn't take him in.' "'My companion, after an instant, and for all answer, "'sat down again and grasped my arm. "'Make him, at any rate, come to you.' "'I stared. "'To me? "'I had a sudden fear of what she might do. "'Him?' "'He ought to be here. He ought to help.' "'I quickly rose, and I think I must have shown her a queerer face than ever yet. "'You see me asking him for a visit?' "'No. With her eyes on my face, she evidently couldn't. "'Instead of it even, as a woman reads another, "'she could see what I myself saw. "'His derision, his amusement, his contempt for the breakdown of my resignation,' at being left alone, and for the fine machinery I had set in motion to attract his attention to my slighted charms. She didn't know, no one knew, how proud I had been to serve him and to stick to our terms. Yet she nonetheless took the measure, I think, of the warning I now gave her. If you should so lose your head as to appeal to him for me... She was really frightened. Yes, miss? I would leave, on the spot, both him and you. Phoebe Reads a Mystery is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC.